B, C, A, 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 Welcome everyone to the season two finale of Uppy and the Stash Show. I'm your host Uppy. With me as always is Stash and we brought in a special third guest uh, for tonight. Um, not new to the show, but it's been a while. We have uh, Steve Castle joining us from Erie, Pennsylvania. We thought he'd be in Kentucky tonight, but he is not. But uh, we'll start with I am in P- Pennsylvania, <sighs> not Kentucky. Um, so, like, thank you so much for having me. It's been mm-hmm. a while. I told you I'd be bored. I am bored. So w- what better to fill t- my time with than talking to you folks? Nice, nice. Uh, well, we'll still leave that as the title of the show, Bored in Kentucky, because that's what you said. Hey, have me on. I'm bored in Kentucky. So um, we'll keep that there. Um, Stash, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fucking great, man. Today is an awesome day. It's my Friday, and... Um, I uh, poured a four fi- four finger drink of freaking whiskey. So nice. Yeah. yeah. What kind of whiskey? What do you, what brand do you get? Uh, well, you know, at our local um, uh, uh, pharmacy here, what was it? The Jack? No, Jim Beam Black was on sale. So yeah, I said, all right, nice. I can do a ten dollar Jim Beam just to get fucked up. It's Sounds a fucked good. up type of drink. It's not a it's not a sipping thing. This is this is this is a drink that you you like chug. To get mm. fucked up fast, and I this like is that. why I'm here. So, so uh, sometimes I'm down with that strategy. I'm okay with that. Um, Steve Castle, what do you got going on over there? So I'm going for the local staple IPA of Lavery Brewing called Dulacon. Um, I'm a cheap bastard, and it's normally fifty dollars a case. And they had a holiday special where it's thirty dollars a case, so I had to grab one. I will say, so um, as everyone on both ends of this conversation know, I had the extreme honor of recording with you before you left Erie um, in early November for your Thanksgiving special, um, where we talked a lot about your Aunt Marilyn. And I went with Brent over to Lavery's Brewing after we recorded, and I did have myself two Dulacons. And that is an extremely, extremely solid beer. If I had to give it the idiotville rating of five idiots, I would, on the scale of five idiots, I'd probably give it a solid four. It was a delicious beer. I agree 100%. You sound uh, very similar to uh, Dill Spears, who gave it a five because he's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm not sure what beer I would give a five, but... um, I think that's the issue you all have over there, is determining what does qualify as a five idiot beer but i don't i don't think a five exists personally i just think it's one of those like you know lightning in a bottle things you just yeah yeah like because if it did exist then um hold on and he's back the man of the hour if only he knew someone who had all the keys to all the doors (laughs) (laughs) and could and, and could find the unmute button on his uh on his microphone can't hear you, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> We're just looking at your ugly face. <laughs> yeah. At least you're not frozen, because I'd be really pissed. You would be. I would No, be. but your, your hair looks great, Stash. <laughs> and your, your beard oh. is point, spot on me and Uppy. Like, fuck, dude. I haven't shaved in weeks. Look like a, you know, <laughs> some sort of petter ass. <laughs> Can I say can I say the only person that I also know from Kentucky besides you is um is well I don't even know her really. I've just seen her videos is a porn star called Little Mandy or Little Candy or whatever her name is. Well so, does she live in Louisville? Because I'd love to Well find she's out. from Kentucky for that's the way she says her name, but I don't even know how old these videos are, so I couldn't tell you how old she was then, how old she is now. So. Well, I, I am in charge of the three largest cities in Kentucky, so I you tell me where she is, and I'll, I'll get an autograph for you. 
<laughs> I will, you know what? I'll do a little more research and I'll, I'll text you. Mm-hmm. I'll send you a message. I'll send you a private direct message. I'll have her sign phone. something on me and I'll take a picture of it. <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want a right boob just above a nipple. <laughs> oh, perfect. We can do that. I got, I got impressive it. nipples. Yeah. Oh, so did you, so um, did you mention your your three um, tombstone songs? No, I have not yet. All right, so if you're dying, and uh, they got to make a tombstone for you, and in your tombstone you have an MP3 player, what three songs would you choose? Well, I'm gonna go old school. Um, excuse me, I gotta. I'm horrible with names of songs, so I apologize for that. Uh, so this is the same, one of the songs is I quoted in my high school yearbook, and it's a punk song from Face to Face, it's called A-OK, and one of the lines from the song always just stuck with me, and I can't ever get rid of it, but it's, he just says, I don't know what you want from me, but it's probably already gone, so my hope was just to have that actually on my tombstone at some point, um, since I, I don't think there's an afterlife per se. Um, so that's Interesting. Uh, one of my top choices. Um, the other one's a song co- by Telekinesis. Uh, it's a band from Seattle. Uh, Michael Benjamin Lerner is, uh, he's kind of like one of those solo guys. So he is the band. So he collects up folks, but, uh, is a song called I saw lightning. Um, it's just kind of like a sweet song about, uh, you know, seeing lightning in the street and, and, and being in love with his uh, girl. So, um, you know, I just think that's always a strong point for people is uh, being in love with someone and just seeing lightning for that moment. And, you know, it kind of plays on the fleeting uh, nature of life. Hmm. Um, and then lastly, I would just go, I'd have to go with uh, Neil Young's Cinnamon Girl. Just because I love his ridiculous voice, uh, but he's got amazing riffs and plays amazing songs, and just I could listen to that for a long time and not be angry about it. You get the little uh, country twang in there, the rock country twang of Neil Young. He's Canadian. It's Canadian twang. Oh, is that Canadian? Oh, he's a he's a Canuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What the? F- My whole life has been a lie. <laughs> Yeah, he's lived here a long time, um, but he yeah he's from Canada. Is he? Uh, is he? Well, then if he's lived here a long time, that means makes him makes him American, really. Yeah, I, I I don't know, man. Like I I think he's here mostly because his son is uh, special needs, and he's actually out in a, a, a special school out in California. And the Bridge School. The Bridge School. I actually went to the Bridge School concert one year with my buddy Jay Nunn. I was just going to say, he does a concert there every year and donates all the proceeds to the yeah. school. Where's Briggs uh, up in your, where you live at, up Central? It must be in the, it must be in the Bay Area because we went and saw the concert. At, uh, the, at least the year we went, it was at the Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain, uh, Mountain View. Oh, Mountain View, And yeah. I remember Mount Metallica played, Jerry Lee Lewis, Regina Spector, I think, and that's all oh, I remember. I like her. I love her. She's beautiful. You would. You would. Regina. Well, she's just beautiful. That's all. That's, that's something else. Sometimes that's all you need. <laughs> just beauty. Be- right. Beauty, no brains. Yeah. Well, I do have to say uh, my, my drink du jour tonight is uh, I'm ending the podcasting here the way I started it. I got something from Dust Bowl Brewing, and it is called Strawberry Milkshake. Didn't You didn't have – you had one milkshake before, though, didn't you? That was from uh, Blaker, and it was pineapple milkshake. Oh, pineapple, yeah. Okay. Right. I still love the name Dust Bowl Brewing. That's just like, I don't know. You guys are have a lot of problems with the fires and the, the no water out there. So. <laughs> no, we don't have, listen, people like to think we have water issues. We have issues of where we're going to divert the water. <laughs> well, yeah, we, it's got to go to L.A. somehow. Up, up, no. here we have, up here it's fine. It's just getting it to stash is yeah there. yeah it's probably where we divert the water and then who mm-hmm. who has access to the water because arrowhead and a couple of other big major companies so california has these very archaic laws that say 
whoever finds the water or whatever, they get the right to it without thinking of it as a public commodity. And they won't change them, right? Even even when we're in this weird drought, right? And we're like fucking dying up here. And I'll tell you why. And you know why. It's campaign finance, right? People, they all those companies donate to these various, you know, um, Congress or state and, and, you know, local people. And no one's willing to change anything. They're like, oh, we have really archaic laws. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Well, we have really archaic laws. Well, fucking do something about it already. You know, so that's why we have water issues. Thank you, Niagara Water and Fiji Water, because you get your shit from California, too. Well, yeah, you know, I, I watched that old school uh, movie from uh, uh, Jack Nicholson, the film noir that was out there. It's on the tip of my head. But that was all about like some archaic thing about stealing water and killing people. Well, from, <laughs> what, I, from what I understand... Um, the LA basin, the natural water supply of the LA basin, is only enough to um, provide for five hundred thousand people. And then that's when some dude by what's his name, I, I don't know it anymore, um, found ways to steal water from people <laughs> up in the hills. And gosh, man, I, I wish I could remember his name. I researched a lot of it because um, there's someone. I don't think you've ever seen any of his bullshit on Facebook. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Uppy in the Stash show. We have our buddy Steve Castle from Idiotville in Kentucky, Pennsylvania, wherever the fuck he is. I don't even remember where he's at. It's a long ways from where I live in the Inland Empire in Southern California. And it's somewhere I probably will never go in the next 10 years. 15 most, 10 knots. So welcome back, brother. How you doing today? I'm doing swell. I'm super excited to be here. Can, can I can I ask Ash like you know like you reopen the shows if we just started the show? Yes. Like, we don't <laughs> we typically ever. We haven't song. ever typically lost our guest during the break. Like they've always come back for the second part. Um, <laughs> Everybody I will knows. Say, if your if your goddamn Chargers could win a game, then it doesn't could, matter because the Tennessee <laughs> Titans are a goddamn juggernaut. I you no, no, already no, said no, that. No, no, it's nothing to do with your Titans. If the Chargers could have just finished third in their division, which they did not do, they would have been playing in Cleveland next year, and we could have went and visited and said hi and recorded a podcast and then flew back to California together. But no, your Chargers screwed it up. Um, I've said what I've said all NFL episodes is that we find a way to shoot ourselves in the foot. That was yeah. We got the Raiders next year, not the Chargers. So. Yeah. Well, it's almost the same thing because they both hate each other, but they love each other. It's like a weird incestual relationship. And I, I don't, I want to ruin anything, but uh, speaking of the Titans, though, Mister Steve Cass, I don't want your your head to get too big here, but I, I do think the Titans have a good chance of beating the Patriots this week. They are, the, if not the hottest, one of the hottest teams in football right now. In, with Derrick Henry and what's going on with their receiving core and and the resurgence of uh, Mr. Tannehill, I don't know. Like, dude, it's it's weird to be this excited going into the playoffs. Normally, it's like, oh, we limped into the playoffs. We're gonna lose first round. And I think no. that's not the case. No. Well, made it, it the, the Patriots. So hopefully, you shot into the playoffs and still lost in the first round. That's still a possibility because. Who knows what Bill Belichick is going to do to cheat his way into a victory, but um, I, I do believe the Titans have the have the goods to get it done. Yeah. Hey, I'm just excited too. We we have a rushing champion, Derrick Henry, with the 211 yards it took to that's, get that. That's the thing yeah. that chats my hide the most was man, if anything the Browns could have done, they could have made sure Nick Chubb. Got the rushing title. And they yeah, was he like two or three? Was he three? Number three? Chuck finished second by like second? 60 yards, yeah. Uh, to, to quote Mr. Dill Spears, he's like, he's like, I just love the Titans because they, they kicked the Browns right in the nuts when they thought they had the r- rushing champion. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. 
That's the icing on the cake for a shitty, underwhelming year for you guys. Well, very underwhelming. Well, I'm just glad we. I'm just glad we kicked Mason Rudolph in the nuts while the Steelers still sucked. <laughs> you can take that one to the make Mr. Dill Spears. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But his but his head but his head though but his head. Oh, his face was so punchable. Yeah, but his but we his face. That. Yeah. I love that we had that conversation tonight. It's like, I was just saying how like he's just a shitty quarterback. And he's like, mm-hmm. not really that bad, and I'm like, no. he was really that bad. No, he's just got a punchable face. You just dislike him. Like, he's got that little, like, petulant, rich asshole, like, never had anything go wrong for him face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always played quarterback. Like, no, you're going to play second. No, but I've always played quarterback is what he's probably said in his entire life. But I've always played quarterback. Yeah. You know? I'm the starter. I'm the yeah. starter. Yeah, I'm the starter. I don't want your life is probably <laughs> maybe one thing he's never said in his life. I don't want your life. No. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so, anyways, uh, football aside, what are we doing, Stash? Uh, we, uh, oh, yeah. Um, we know um, there was a great episode on the Joe Rogan episode that uh, both Steve and I uh, tend to frequent every once in a while. And that was with a great journalist um, and author that uh, put out a book about the 2008 financial crisis and crash that definitely devastated a whole lot of Americans. Um, including myself and my family and everybody else that I knew, um, and that was Matt Taibbi, and they talked quite a bit about what um, free speech meant for themselves, and and I, I want to emphasize on that point because for themselves, it doesn't mean that for everybody, but for themselves, um, him as a journalist and him, Joe Rogan, as a comedian slash commentator slash as nobody who just happens to have an episode who happens to have a podcast that's um viewed you know by people because he doesn't really have much of anything but that you know um and his ideas of free speech sort of um touched me in the sense that i um not in a michael jackson or a catholic priest style but in the sense that um i don't think they understood that the speech that they talked about of being free resulted in a, in a violence that um, happened in an area of Texas that really made me disturbed. And I text, you know, Uppy about this, about how, like, man, this was really bad. Like, it just makes me feel shitty that somebody could walk into a Walmart and that's frequented about 95 to probably 100%, 100% Hispanics in that area. And any Hispanics, there's people that frequent that are poor could just shot up dead because the guy knew who he who he was targeting was brown people and speech has a huge has a profound impact on people's actions and the way they talked about it was like well we shouldn't we shouldn't restrict it in any way and it made me think steve would be a great guy to come on and talk about this what would be some of your thoughts steve yeah so i i agree a lot with you uh about so there's a couple things like they they were saying that you should have people that the the uh, Alex Jones is the world and, and people that put out these uh, false narratives and unchecked facts and and strong beliefs and and things that are blatantly untrue um, and they're saying that they should be able to be out there and doing those things and I, I agree to an extent like I agree that that, that they needed to to be able to voice that but at the same time i don't their argument was you shouldn't shout them down is you should you should let them speak and let them and, and challenge that speech but the problem is in our era is that like right now you know the folks that listen to our part podcast or your podcast or or on facebook everyone is so narrowly focused on what they want to so they can curate this alternate reality um, and I think that's what happens. So like when Twitter removes the Alex Jones and Facebook removes them, they're saying that's the wrong thing to do because then you're pushing down speech and you're, 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 you're saying what's only acceptable. And I'm, my thing, what I had a difficult time was it's not that it's not acceptable in, in the fact that they don't have the right to say it, but like you shouldn't. Facebook shouldn't have to give them that platform. Like, hey, you're spreading bold-faced lies. 
and and anti-Semitism and all of these other things that are super horrible. And we don't want to give you that platform to do it. But then they got in this whole big talk about why don't we want to give them a platform? Why can't we give them a platform and then shoot holes in it? And but the problem is that it's the siloing of what we all listen to um, to some extent. Like, you know, my smarter people move in other directions. Yeah. Um, what just to go off of what you said, though, earlier is that um, these platforms are what they are. They're platforms. Right. And so now we're introduced to this new technology where these private companies who are making profit, right? Huge profits off of advertisements, communications, your data, right? Well, that's a whole different subject. Uh, And people are saying, well, you can't um, stifle my First Amendment right to my speech, but these are an avenue towards that, right? And even that, a profitable avenue. And so, like, what what I want to see maybe later or even now is, like, how does Facebook and Twitter play this role to where we're saying like you're stifling my free speech, right? When 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 they weren't even thought of 20 years ago, right? Your free speech was standing on a fucking corner or standing in a college or whatever it is, right? You know, these traditionals, uh, what I call shoe leather, um, where you're, you're pounding in the pavement type of thing. But now we have these, these, these um, you know, internet style free speech how do they play that role now? You know, like you don't, you don't have to participate in Twitter. You don't have to participate in Facebook. You can still get your message out in any other way. And it shows because, um, a lot of these hate speeches come out from these other organizations as well, which have been shut down because they're like, dude, I don't want this kind of bad press or no one's willing to fund me. But somehow Twitter and Facebook have been these untouchables where they're like, Hey, we 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 don't want anything to do with it, but we want everything to do with it. That's my big question: is how, like, how did they position themselves in this? They're like the untouchables. It's the same, it's the same way the billionaires operate. I mean, they don't have to play by the same rules as the rest of us, and I think that's where the problem lies. So, I, I guess my problem is, and this is where you're you're tiptoeing, like who controls the platform is it the government because then there's a great distrust of the government currently is it these corporations who obviously have a profit motive so where are we at yeah where are we um and so when and and their discussion that they also had was like it sounds nice when we are fighting against these right-wing extremism extremism but when we um reverse it is it the same thing but when has progressivism um, made somebody pick up a gun and shoot people in a church? Or when has that made someone go into a school and shoot up somebody or go into a nightclub and shoot them, right? Like these types of attitudes about their feelings towards other people, right? Of the others, you know, pushes them towards an action. That right there should give you pause, right? You're, you're not safe where you go because there are these... Um, one of, for example, um, uh, Tucker Carlson, right? If you've ever watched any of his episodes, dudes parrots a lot of what the right wing, extreme white wing, white nationalists, really, really white, uh, white supremacists, people who feel like that their their color of their skin, their culture, their way of being is better, right, than anybody else that is here. He parrots a lot of that than what they say. There might be a couple of moments where you say he kind of makes sense, but no, he doesn't. Is how is that allowed to still continue, even with the phase where people are going, "Well, you're you're stifling my free speech," you know. What was weird for me is, and this is the 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 difficult part, is they mentioned Carlson, and then they said, "Well, obviously, the thing he's a smart guy, and the things he's parroting." He knows he's doing it, so it's up to the listener to take that information in and decide. So why should you stifle that? Yeah. Well, it's, um, 
this marketplace of I, ideas. I, I, I think we've gotten to the point where we should know better than to let the listener do their own work because the listener is not going to do their work. That's why they're tuning into such things is to have someone do their work for them. Mm-hmm. You know, because there used to be some sort of a may be nice almost to have Brent here for a second when it comes to journalism. You know, there used to be some integrity to the position of the job. And I'll say, hey, I'm just going to say what gets clicks. And if you want to prove me wrong, you take the time to find the facts for me and, or, or whatever. It's just, you know, the point is, like, you're in the position of power. It's up to you to do the work. Yeah. To have the integrity of the job before, instead of making the listener fact check you. I mean, you should come correct to, be, to begin with. Yeah. It's but like when when oh. when I listened to them or I hear or I heard them and I and I think Uppy and I had this discussion before was like okay so when we talk about um, free speech in the sense of whistleblowing right which is a, a um, another rabbit hole that we can go down we have like people like Reality Winner who who decided that they wanted to go against their gov not to go against the government they knew that something was wrong and they had to report it. And then from there, they became the subject, right? Like their their actions became illegal, not so much the fact that what they were reporting became illegal, right? Becomes another free speech issue, which I never understood because we were supposed to have these safe safeguards of saying, hey, this person is doing something wrong and we should say something about it. Now in these 2000s since President Obama, you can't do that. This was like way worse than what President President Bush was doing, and I never understood like how these these conservatives were like I'm a for America and I'm here to you know do what's right. But the minute you say something that something's wrong, they're like, well, nope, I'll never apologize for America, just like for the first President Bush said. I never got it. I never understood how those two things added up. Right. That's a that's a ton to unpack. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's it's so hard to you don't want to squash people right like I want to you know like we were talking about that gentleman that with the schooling and wants to shut that down I don't want to shut down the fact that he wants to save money or this that or the other thing but I do want to shut down the fact that they 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 take the onus to say they're speaking for everyone and like it's just so hard to like parse out like what's reasonable speech and, and and what's not and is it do we just throw everything into an arena and just battle it out constantly or do we have like some standards uh, as a society that we operate from do, do the british have a better idea i would imagine you would need a standard we all agree on and it's just i think society has failed to a point where it has become an issue in, in the first place do we muddy the facts? Like, what is this, a Kellyanne Conway, like, alternative facts, you know? Well, those are alternative facts. Maybe. It's, it's just, I don't know. Like, we used to live in a world where things were taboo to talk about. Like, you know, you, you didn't talk religion or politics or your paycheck. And I think we've gotten a little bit looser with our tongues. And I feel like I'm taking such a conservative stance to a degree, and I hate that. But we used to not have these issues but I, I just, I don't know, it's, the lines kept getting blurred to the point where there are no lines, and now we have to set standards when there wasn't one. And I think that's just a general failure of our society as a whole that we have to sit there and say, I get it, we're in the 21st century, we have the Twitters and the Facebooks, but we still don't say these things. And it doesn't matter who our president is, it doesn't matter who Stephen Miller is, like, there's some lines you don't cross because if you cross them, it, why out yourself as write out yourself as being a terrible person yeah but i i think that mr trump has taught us that it doesn't matter if he, he things that were taboo he didn't care that they were taboo because he wasn't held accountable to breaking that taboo or you know or social norm or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it he just crossed that line so far and it's so such a ridiculous manner like that then the line didn't matter anymore yeah no, line, lines don't matter. No matter what he says matters because it's 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 the ad, it's the adage saying that they they come out with it's like you keep tell, telling a lie long enough people are going to believe it. And he's figured that out, right? He's exploited mm-hmm. he's exploited, not even exploited. He's just using all of the avenues and techniques that have been there 
It just now seems far more egregious because it's him doing it, right? And not the other people in power that were doing it. And he's like, well, I'm just doing what everybody else has been doing. He's doing nothing new. And he's not adding anything new to the mix that hasn't been already been there for the la- for since the in- since the installment of our of of our democracy plain and simple he's just using what is there nothing I, else i would agree to an extent other than the fact that he he has better tools to do it in twitter that he he doesn't have to go through the filter of our our journalists yeah. which used to kind of parse out the bullshit a little bit and secondly he it's a constant fucking barrage of bullshit there's not a fucking day where like obama would just you know like come out and give a speech and go away you wouldn't hear about him the rest of the goddamn day this is non-stop from five in the morning until two in the morning when he's just tweeting up a fucking storm or crazy or whoever's tweeting for him and that's the difference it's him it's him. But perfect example of that is that we've haven't had we've we not have had a um, um, actual briefing in the White House. The morning right. briefings that they have done. When was the last time we've had that? But what is that? A, is that an issue? No one seems to be keep bringing it up, right? Where they can they can actually go after the the actual spokesperson and say why is the why is the administration doing that? Nothing. You're right. They're just using the same tools that they've had. They're using the same tools and they're exploiting them and their weaknesses because they know that um, Russia, um, the whole idea of him being impeached are the the two things that are going to drive their monopoly on people bringing eyeballs to the screen. Right. No, I agree a lot. It's it's nuts. So the... And that, I guess that's ultimately the question. Do, do you shut that down to some extent? Or how do, you, how, do you, how do you reestablish norms? You know, like, say he actually loses and we get a Democratic president in there. What is the standard that they set? Do they go back to the old standards? Or do they say, hey, well, we're going to take pieces of that crazy and use it to our benefit now? A lot of the times, a lot... Well, since I've studied this up until up until now, a lot of it's like they take pieces. They never really go back. P- power seeds the nothing. Okay, so once they have power to say no, we're not going to do this anymore. They don't go back to normal. There's no normal, right? They go back to well, we'll limit it to once a week. We'll limit it to whatever it is, right? Because how are you going to say I'm doing anything different? I'm just going off of what we've had before. And so that's how that power structure works when you get them back into office again. And that's what, yeah. Comparative (laughs) betterment. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Because that's how they'll argue because you hear that argument within the administration now. I'm doing no different than the past administration is an argument that is used a lot. Like, I'm not doing no different than Obama did. So see, you see, so they've they didn't figure that out. They're just using the same arguments. Obama would say the same thing about Bush. Well, you, we're not doing anything different than Bush did, but the mainstream media caught on, and that wanted to create a conflict would say, "Well, Bush has been out of office for three years. What are you doing different now?" This hasn't happened with that. So there's some things that has not occurred in those questionings. Is that so? That's what you do get in the long run. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Oh, dude, dude, there, there are some things that I learned and at the university about the Obama administration and things that have occurred where I can go, damn, there's, there's no difference that the last three administrations are doing, and but, but the way they make them sound is like, oh, he's far more progressive. There's nothing. Same line all the way across, and you'd be like, damn, how can Obama do that? He's been our go-to guy, and nope. Just because he wanted to please Republicans, you know, nothing well, different. And I would argue, though, he actually attempted to work across the aisle where mm-hmm. the lines have been drawn so aggressively that we don't even know when they're secretly working across the aisle now. So it's like and we know that's happening. There's obviously they have some common goals that in public they'll never talk about. Oh, yeah. No, they'll, they yeah, there's they, well, because that's part of their um, strategy of PRing, right? Like, hey, we've we've got this victory that, you know, that we've hard won. But um, now since it's 
hyper media with Twitter and everything, and the guy can't shut his fucking mouth, you know, Trump can't shut his fucking mouth, he gives it away, right? So, so we still get it, but we don't get that. I we don't get that uh, twenty thirty year in a book year later, because right. he's doing it in Twitter now. That's what we don't get. You're like, oh fuck! I'd love to read that in a book where we found out that he worked with Mitch, you know, Mitch and and uh, Chuck Schumer. No, we don't. We don't get that ten years down the road. We get that. Okay, yeah, fucker, you fucked it up. You're not. A, you're not the art of deal guy that you thought you said you were. You know. So, well, maybe he is though, because like, like he's been impeached, but there's obviously collusion in the Senate, so they're. they're what is the consequence his base loves him like the only thing we can hope that is as left-leaning progressives myself um is that he's pissed us off enough to get the people that don't vote on our side to vote this time around two things as long as you have the electoral college is one of them we're fucked no matter what happens okay the second thing as long as you have a democratic party that has a lot of influence and money that the way they do. Because why the fuck would Michael Bloomberg all of a sudden decide he wants to jump in the race this late? This late in the game and then drop $100 million of his own money and advertisements in states like Iowa and Ohio and over there in the Midwest where you guys are at, right? In that area, when he's never even polled in a double digits. I can tell you why he's doing it. He's he has to pull votes from other areas to force a vote on another end down the road. He's he's that he's that guy. They're, they they brought him in. They said, "Well, we don't have to spend any money on you. Spend your own money, and you know you're getting tax cuts out of it." I think he's the guy that's worried about if we actually get socialized medicine and those kind of things. Like a Sanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he doesn't want those guys are the ones leading the pack, and he's he's an old school Democrat. Yeah, uh, probably more Democrat light, more maybe more Republican light. Maybe I don't maybe know. Purple. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's one. Of, so he doesn't want those things to happen, and he's terrified that they're going to happen. So and there's people behind him that have that same terror, and yeah. that's that's why he jumps in. He doesn't give any fucks about helping people. No, he doesn't. No, they don't. They don't jump in. They don't jump in. They're they're asked. They don't well, jump let, in. They never jump not- in. So. Let's not add like $100 million is a lot of money to him. I mean, yeah. here in California, we had Meg Whitman run for governor and spent $250 million of her own dollars just to lose. Yeah. They don't jump, but they don't jump in, though. On the Democratic I, I, side, they don't jump in. There's no such thing as I'm going to throw my name in the race. There's not, there's, there's not that. They go through the part, like, they're, when they're that high up compared to someone who's like running in lonely Los Alamitos, Los Alamos, Texas type of shit is different. When they're that high up, there's no, there's, he's saying he has to go and say, hey, from the party bosses, I'm going to do this thing. Is this okay? Right? Because it is what it is. They're party bosses. They're saying, yes, go ahead, jump in. We need you to jump in. He was already actively been recruited by those at their fucking $100 um, a, a bottle or even $100 a glass type of wine shit. That's, he's already been asked. This wasn't an idea, right? He just come up sitting on the shitter looking at Twitter. He wasn't doing that. Somebody already asked him, we need you to jump in because we need you to fray these numbers for us a little bit so that we can pull the Warren or so that we can pull the Budacek or that we can pull um, Clover, uh, whatever her name is, uh, Elizabeth, what's the other Clover, whatever her name Klobuchar? is. Yeah, Klobuchar? Yeah, Klobuchar, yeah. Yeah. That's what he's doing. He's not there for anything else. No, he's tempering the message. Yeah. If Bernie gets the the endorsement, like that is the wholesale change of the Democratic Party. Bernie would do exactly what Trump did to the Republican Party. It would be mm-hmm. Bernie's party, and there'd be the Democrat light people, the yeah. you know the purple people that are gonna be fucking terrified. Yeah. And and so and so here's a perfect example of that. Reagan was going against um, Carter. Carter just had the whole idea of the the not the whole idea. Carter just had the whole incident with the the, the Iran um, taking over the the um, 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 the American embassy, right? Reagan decided, hey, I'm gonna go through the back channels and I'm gonna say, hey, don't fucking deal with Carter because I'm gonna make you a better deal. It's that type of thing. 
Reagan only jumped in when he felt that he could make something better out of it, right? He wasn't jumping in because he wasn't going to win. Fucking nobody cared about Reagan. Nobody cared about the guy who came out of California, who was the most progressive Californian that was coming out of that was this pro-union because he was the he was the president of, of the guild at the time, right? He had to turn full right and say that he was going to do something better. That's a perfect example of it. So, I don't know. I digress. So how are we going to tie this back to free speech? Free so, speech is So fucked. people actually thought Reagan was pro-union at one time? Oh, yeah. He was the president of the guild. That they doesn't did. mean shit. Oh, that yeah. No, mean... they did. He was, he, was thought <laughs> at, he was thought of as a type of union guy. But because at the time he decided to run, all of a sudden he turned into that um, uh, Jarvis that that old guy that he was tired of California. So uh, Jarvis is is the guy that passed Prop 13 in California. Um, that was like, I'm not paying for your fucking kids um, to come to school and be babysat by our teachers, you know, our property taxes. Mm-hmm. And he and he basically was bought up. So people might want to think that this was just some natural organic reaction out of a guy. Mm-hmm. No, in California that does not fucking happen. Okay, there's people behind you that are pushing this idea of your idea, but they're doing it better. And Jarvis was one of them. And Reagan was another guy that was a part of it as well. He just find that he just found the niche like Trump did and fucking wrote on it, even though he was president of the one of the largest unions in California. All right? He was an actor. And he just found out people don't like fucking immigrants. He's like, I'll run off of that. People don't like property taxes, I'll run them off of that. All right? People don't like illegal immigrants, I'll run off of that. And he ran that shit. And that's how we got it. Yeah. Nothing else. Wow. I already knew he was terrible, but that makes it worse. <laughs> and and his wife was an alcoholic. Take that. Well, she can come drink beers with us anytime. She can come drink beers with us anytime. So, even though she's dead, no, she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, hey, I got a little lesson there. I appreciate it. No, you're very welcome. Come back anytime to the school bus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't so. think I'd let you drive a bus. <laughs> Not even a short It'd be a one. weird trip. That was a weird trip. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was de- I I def- definitely would ride on that. It went from free speech to fuck Reagan. <laughs> Perfect. That's that's how we do it in California. Welcome everybody. Right. We don't smoke pot just <laughs> not yet, at least. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> yeah, and it's legal right. out there. What the fuck? It, it is. Let's yeah. not ruin our season three opening show special here. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. We have teased it before. Uh, the season three opener will be marijuana is legal. And uh, nice. we'll keep it at that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so let's, uh, let's finish I want to tie into sp- that. Yeah. Sure. Go for it. I was just going to say Erie just produced their first legal marijuana um, crop, I guess. Nice. So they, they, they make uh, medical marijuana here in Erie. So they, they have a big grow facility that used to be on an old uh, kind of steel area. Oh. It's badass. So you get cancer and you get high at the same time. No, you get cancer. And it's, it's, it's a self-feeding loop. You cure yourself of the symptoms. That's <laughs> Right? My parents' neighbor used. To, my my parents had a neighbor at one time that used to grow, and they complained about. It. I was like, just reach over and grab some. Yeah, no, shut up, smoke it. If it's over the fence right? line, you get the sewers. <laughs> yeah. And you don't need you don't need to have cancer to get it here. You you, you can just have anxiety. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm you super anxious about being on your show. <laughs> <laughs> I got it diarrhea. It's, it's a different dynamic. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So free speech, Anyways. final thoughts on free speech. It's um, dangerous. Um, uh, we got Yeah, there, there has to, we can't we we can't go wild like uh like uh Mr. Tayibi and Mr. Rogan said. I think sometimes we got to we have we have to have limits and and deplatforming is one of those ways to help keep those limits. Yeah. You know, I, I agree that limits are needed, but I think for us to universally agree on having to set them is it's just, I, I think we just have to hit rock bottom first. It just has to reach a level where we can all collectively agree that <laughs> this is not working for us anymore to where people 
we'll um, maybe reestablish some values within our society. On that note, I'll say this. How do you debate genocide with free speech? Where does the marketplace of ideas come to where you say, I want to debate you on genocide? That's what I got to say. How often does that debate come up? Well, the marketplace of ideas, that's what that's the whole thing of free speech was that we should debate the pros and cons. Well, let's debate the pros and cons of genocide. Let's go. Who would, other than Stephen Miller, who would take the pro side of that? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Invite yeah, him maybe on. Maybe Jeffrey Dahmer. I Invite him on. Let's do it. <laughs> come on. Debate me on genocide, oh, come please. On. Come on. We, we can't even get, uh, what's his name? What's his face? We can't even get him. Ben um, Shapiro? Yeah, Shapiro. I'd fuck him up, that's why. He's scared to come on here. Maybe that's it. Instead of having a, a, a battle of debates, you just throw, throw him in a ring. <laughs> He's, he might be 10 years younger than me, bitch, but I'll fuck him up. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got skill and expertise. He only has his youth, <laughs> and it won't help. And a punchable face. Yeah. <laughs> Very punchable. <laughs> These elbows are sharp. Very sharp elbows. Yeah, right. I cut chatter with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Well, I got to wrap up, gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's min. Oh well, yeah, just hit midnight your time. So it is now uh, New Year's Eve for you. Yeah, a long twenty-four hours ahead of you. But uh, th- thank you, Steve Castle, for uh, staying up late and coming on, taking time away from your family. We got. We honestly thought you'd be in Kentucky when we scheduled this, but. No, I, I had an awesome night. We, I, I hit up Blavery Brewing, and I saw my wife, and got to chat with you folks. So this is amazing. Perfect. Well, uh, thanks again for uh, making the time. Thank you for uh, f- wrapping up season two with us. We greatly appreciate it. We always love your intake and your insight on things. So anytime we can make it happen in the future, uh, we'll definitely let you know. That way you don't um, cry butthurt on me and text messages for not inviting you. No, no, I was just mostly <laughs> bored, Dick. <laughs> and I love I love listening to you guys, yeah, yeah. and I, want, I I like hearing myself too. So that's another yeah, perfect. Oh no, we love it, Steve. Come on. That's the only reason why I started a podcast so I can hear myself more. Yeah. So. Amen. Um, but no, thank you for being a fan and a friend. Um, well, get and, those uh, addresses to me. You get the koozie and perfect. the Dulcon. Perfect. And I, I started to ask, is there another beer that they bottle or can that we can send us like one, like two singles that way we can do a proper beer episode? I could do that. So they, they're one of those places that has a huge constantly re, uh, rotating uh, mm-hmm. beer list. Right. So like yeah. this is right now, this is their big staple. Uh, but I will go check out what's floating around and then send something your way. If they got if they got a good hazy or some, I, I know you're a fan of the New England. So if there's a New England or a hazy or something, they just had a really fantastic red that I had tonight. Oh, so. I like reds. Yeah. So I'll send you guys a red <laughs> and a dually. So. Perfect. So uh, maybe we can get you on and do a special beer episode. Yeah, um, definitely. You're brewing with us since you're the you'll be the resident expert with yeah. us and uh, stash of resident drunk. All right. <laughs> That's my job. Um, <laughs> Stash, you got any parting words for uh, the season two and for uh, Steve and myself and the fans? My parting words are thank you, everybody, for listening to us. It's been very awesome, and we've had a lot of fun. Uh, for Steve and the rest of Idiotville down in Kentucky or whatever you guys are from, um, I love you guys over there. I always look on the map to wonder where the hell you guys really are and if you're really there where you say you are. And then uh, to Uppy, motherfucker, you've been the greatest man that I've known for the last, how long have we known each other, five years? Something now? like that. That's what, yeah. that's what I told Idiotville. So yeah, yeah about five, five years. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I fucking love you, man. You're like. Mm, I, love you too. I really hope that our, our, our kids marry so that we can be involved with each other's lives <laughs> forever. <laughs> well, if, she still, if he still likes my daughter after she ran him over with his car. Then I think we're okay. I can make him forget. That is a true story. My daughter ran over Stash's son. Yeah, and they still talk. And they still talk. They still talk to each other. They still, you know, they'll see each other on, you know, our little communications and, hey, how you doing? You know? Well, uh, my parting words are, it's been a hell of a ride. It's been a fun 2019. Thank you, Steve Castle, for coming on multiple times. 
Uh, good luck to your Titans next week against the Fal- uh, Falcons. The Patriots. I don't even know where I got that from. Uh, the Patriots. And um, just thank you for tuning in each and every week. Uh, season 3 will be, be with us before we know it. And just I hope everyone has a happy and safe new year. And we'll see you in 2020. And with that said, Steve, Stash, and I, we wish you all a good afternoon, a good evening, and good night. I saw lightning coming from the street. You were trembling, hearing your heartbeat. Leaned in closer, let me kiss you on the cheek. Singing to you softly, singing to you sweet. I want to care for you when you are all alone. Sitting inside our house and unplug all our phones. Watching raindrops stream down on the windowsill. Let's be in love. Let's be in love.